Welcome to Seize Your Midlife, the podcast exclusively for midlife women. I'm your host, Bree Schumacher. We are going to dive into all the things from health and hormones to beauty and wellness. We'll be asking the question, what's my midlife purpose? And what am I going to do with the rest of my life? We'll also be interviewing women who've taken leaps or made U-turns in midlife. This conversation is going to be engaging, sometimes educational, a little bit funny, and always real. It is my sincere hope that you find your midlife purpose and lead your most fulfilling life. So join us on this journey to seize your midlife. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Seize Your Midlife. I am so glad that you are here. And I'm especially excited because I have a guest on the show today. Laura Enzor is a wife, a mom, a former fitness pro, and a certified reinvention coach. I cannot wait for you to hear more about what that is. And She's a dancing queen, which I love. So there is so much more to Laura's bio and to her story, but I absolutely want you to hear it from her, not from me. So welcome to the show, Laura. Hello. How are you, Brie? I'm good. I'm excited that we are having this conversation today. Yes, me too. Okay, so the first question I ask on all my episodes is, how old are you? Ah, oh, the dreaded question. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because um, next week is my birthday. So I could say I'm 59, but I'm really going to be 60. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, yeah. <laughs> happy early birthday. Thank you. And I would have never guessed that you were almost 68. <laughs> Oh, thank you. (laughs) Well, and I've said this before on the podcast, and that's that women are scientifically the least happy at like 47 and a half. And then it swings upward to happiness. And by the time you're 70, they say your happiness levels are back to where you were as a child. So Mm -hmm. you are like on the upswing big time. So that's a good thing. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And that I can attest to the power of reinvention coaching, right? It fast tracks you to that place of happiness that you, you know, that everyone seems to long for, right? You know, I mean, being a wife and a mother, my whole, you know, life while holding a fitness career, it was challenging. And you get caught up in the day-to-day life, right? Checking the boxes, making sure everybody else is taken care of. And, you know, slowly and slowly you forget about yourself. You don't leave time. And I, I understand why at around 40, those happiness levels start to dissolve because you've gotten whipped up in life trying to, you know, please everyone else. And as mothers, we are nurturers, you know, it's in our DNA. So, you know, what reinvention coaching is going to do is address all that and get you back to those. And I like the way you put it, the happiness levels. Yeah. Well, we are going to delve a lot more into that as we get into your story. But let me ask you the second question that I always ask on the interviews, which is where are you right now? I am in Scottsdale, um, sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. 
<laughs> where the weather's always nice. That's fantastic because I am in the Carolinas and it is even a gray day here. So I am yeah. jealous of your sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I love, I do love the sunshine. It makes, it does make me happy. You know, it's uplifting. Absolutely. And it sounds like you are originally from the Midwest and that your senior year of high school, you discover dance and you're really quite good at it. And you actually end up going to the University of Michigan where you get your BFA, you continue um, in dance. And after college, you are given an opportunity to dance with a company in New York, but you actually turn it down. Why was that? Oh, it was the hardest um, moment in my life. But like I did so many other times in my young life, I bucked it up, right? I decided, okay, I'm going to make the best of it. And here's the reason. So I worked four years so hard. All of us in my class, our dream was to dance in New York in a company, right? That's the, what we did four years we trained for. And unfortunately, you know, I come from a family of 13 children. Okay. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. So when it came time for, you know, that offer happened, I tell my parents and I didn't get the support emotionally or financially. So I was kind of stuck, right? I was in, I was staying at the university of Michigan in the, in the college town. And I thought, oh, okay. And the reason you're going to ask why didn't you just go anyways? Because at the heart of it, I held on to this belief that it's not about what I want. It's about what others want and need. And that would be a theme that kind of came through my whole life until I identified it and you know brought it out of the open and transformed it. And I couldn't, I didn't really see another way. I thought, oh, I can't even see how I could do it by myself. Right. And so it was this, I kind of sunk back. And in that moment, I was already teaching classes at the fitness studio. And so I decided, heck, I'm going to make a career in fitness because all my, you know, choreography skills translated and without any wasting any time, I just got on with what was dealt my way. And I started being the you know, the choreographer for a big fitness chain. And I trained, you know, all the other instructors. So I started utilizing my skills right away, just in a different capacity, right? In, in the fitness world. So while it was an unfortunate blow to my heart, it was one moment where I stuffed it down, pulled up my bootstraps and, you know, reinvented myself, I guess, so to speak. Yeah. It sounds like that pattern of one, people pleasing and two, reinventing yourself really kind of follows you in your life. And that was the first place. Mm -hmm. And you end up being really successful in your fitness career. And simultaneously, you are a young, newly married woman. And you and your husband, alongside another couple, actually open up a floral business that ends up really thriving. Yeah. And you're so you're doing really great in all these different avenues. But your husband's business, which was his full-time job in the automotive industry, is really growing. And you are faced with another pivotal moment in your life mm -hmm. when his job takes you to Singapore. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Being, you know, at that time, I had just, um, my daughter was about two years old, right? So I probably was 31, yeah, 31. 32, something like that. And um, we get this opportunity. And at first, it, you know, I never imagined like 
I, I was kind of like a small, you know, small town girl. I like, you know, I like everything kind of homey and familiar. And so it was a little outside of my comfort zone to go on, you know, on this journey with him. But, you know, we saw it as an amazing opportunity for his career, right? And if we were willing to kind of, you know, dishevel our lives for a little bit, you know, we thought, well, let's do it. So we packed up and we went to Singapore and it was like an out of, you know, a whole different experience for me because I had never been out of the country at that point in my life. You know, my, wow. family, my family didn't travel a lot. I think we went to Florida, you know, a few times and that was, you know, that was the extent of my travel experience. So it was a whole new world, but you know, Singapore is, it's a melting pot, right? And, and all this signs are in English. So it was very easy to get along, right? You know, I could drive on the other side of the, of the road, <laughs> but you know, it was kind of backwards, but um, it was, it was really interesting. And, you know, we didn't stay there too long because then, you know, it, they moved us back to Michigan. So we kind of had a series of moving out, moving back to home base, then moving out again and moving back to home base. So it, let's say it kept life interesting, right? <laughs> I bet. Oh my gosh. Well, I am a, a big traveler, but I imagine with 13 children, like you can probably barely go, you know, to the movies. So that makes complete sense that you had not traveled and how brave and adventurous. And I love that spirit. Yeah that you channeled to do that. And it sounds like then you actually moved out of the country. Was it two more times? Yes. Yes. Our second opportunity after we were living in Buffalo, New York, um, cause that was another stint we had, we got the opportunity to live in Shanghai, China. And we were all like, wow. Okay. Wait a minute. That's another, you know, our daughter by this time was going to be in sixth grade. And we thought what an amazing time for her to learn another language, right? And really like immerse herself in the culture. And really all of these opportunities that we were offered, I always put like, okay, it's a great opportunity for my husband, an amazing opportunity for my daughter. And then there was me, you know, I had to let go of my career, you know, for a while, put it on hold, or maybe there were opportunities for me in Shanghai. I actually taught kickboxing, <laughs> go figure. And so I could, you know, keep my skills honed, but it was, um, it was difficult for me because I had to find where everybody, you know, where we shopped, where we got our haircut, where we, you know, went to the doctor. So it was a full-time job settling in each time, right? Once I got everybody settled in and I could, you know, be adventurous and kind of travel out with some girlfriends. Um, and that was, that was fun, but it did sidetrack me in my focus on building my career if I was to, you know, be honest, but I don't think I ever thought about it that way. Then I always thought there was going to be a time, you know, for me, right. To, to get going and, and really move forward powerfully in my fitness career to another level. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is that, you know, all these moves, especially from somebody, like you said, you were used to a small town and everything. They were all these moments again of, having to reinvent yourself and in the biggest, boldest possible way as a citizen of the world because, you know, moving, you know, from somewhere in the U.S. to another place in the U.S. is completely different than moving from the U.S. to Shanghai. Um, right. That is a huge move. And even people who are very well-traveled and all of the things would be completely daunted yeah. by that. But I just believe that you were 
skill set that you're using now that we're going to talk more about later was Mm -hmm. just so honed in those experiences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like having to deal with what's in front of you. And, you know, our time in uh, Luxembourg was our last, you know, overseas trip. And it was so beautiful. And my daughter, I mean, she was speaking French fluently. She was, it, it was an amazing experience for her. But the whole time we were there, you know, I did not realize you know, I started to not feel well, right? Like, you know, I had a surgery done, a foot surgery before we left and I was in a cast for a couple months and then we moved. And since they put a pin in my foot, it was very, it limited my movement. So I kind of hobbled around Europe and I kind of was like, okay, we're going to Rome and I'm going to, you know, walk around with my family. And I was in pain, like, popping the Advil, you know, nonstop just to be there with my family, because I felt like, who am I to hold back my family from this experience? Right. And I think it's a common theme for a lot of women. And at least that's what I run into in my coaching, right? Those are the people that are coming to me for help. And I totally understand because I've been there. I've done that. I've had to work to pull myself through it and out of it. Yeah. It was yeah. A lot of work. Absolutely. And I think that there are a lot of women listening that can appreciate that putting everyone else first. And, you know, you're kind of hobbling along, I think is just such a, you know, a, an example of, oh my gosh, you're like suffering at the expense of making sure everyone else is having, you know, the time of their life. And I think that that is a relatable sentiment. And, It sounds like beyond just this foot issue, which was a big issue, Mm -hmm. you just weren't feeling like yourself in general. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I ended up, gosh, going through menopause very early at 45. And all the doctors thought, oh, this is what's wrong with you. (laughs) You know, they always like to blame everything on hormones. And, you know, I would fly to London to talk with a hormone doctor who'd send my prescription to Germany, who'd then send the prescription to me. Like it was all so complicated. And it felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. So I would try all these things. I remember being just sitting at the gynecologist office crying. And this um, German doctor looks at me and he says, well, maybe we can give you an herbal medicament. And I just like lost it. Like he didn't hand me a tissue. He didn't, (laughs) he didn't, you know, he wasn't sensitive to, you know, me falling apart. And so I was really struggling, you know, going up and down with, you know, emotions and blaming it on the hormones myself, because I couldn't figure anything out. And then, you know, we had an opportunity then to come back to the States because it was only a, a two year stint. We were there. And when we got back, I went right to the doctor and, you know, I thought, oh, you know, I, I need to see a thyroid specialist and come to find out they weren't giving me thyroid in when I was in Luxembourg. It was like an iodine pill, but I couldn't read the packaging. And I, so I wasn't even getting thyroid support that I knew I needed. And now my thyroid had gotten worse. So I found a doctor who, you know, listened to my story and I mean, incredible uh, work that he did in such a short amount of time with me that I was able to like, at 50 years old, get to my most fit self, like in that short of time, like within a span of six months, 
after recovering and regaining energy and getting back to the gym, I was like, I was living like, I'm, I'm thrilled with my life. Like, I love my life. I love my life. Right. And I could do everything I wanted to. Well, that's amazing. And I think such an important message there. And it's unfortunately a real theme in my interviews of women that are going to the doctor and they're just not getting the right answers, the right diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, kind of having to advocate for yourself to make sure you're, you don't give up and you look for the doctor. Like you said, this one doctor helped you change your life. And that is huge. Um, So I'm so glad that happened for you. And I know you told me that, you know, you were feeling amazing and you found cycle bar, right? Yes. Yes. And it was in the new phases. So It hadn't even been out yet, but they picked the studio I was training at and they picked the the owners to represent their brand. And I, you know, there, there were two people that, you know, you could look at and see them on the cover of a fitness magazine. Right. So I aspired to like, that's me, you know, and, um, we did work on training to, to, to be, um, a cycle star as they call it. And since I had a lag in, in like a couple years of my training, I didn't even realize how like it was going to take my mind uh, a couple months to really be able to teach again. Cause I didn't realize how, how much mind training teaching a fitness class was. I took it for granted, you know, all those years. So when you teach a, an aerobics class, you are saying one thing, doing another and telling them what's coming up. Right. So there's all these things going on and they happen in split seconds. And when I started training, I was having a hard time retrieving things from my mind. And I thought, oh my gosh, is this old age? Is this, what is happening to me? But it was a matter of getting back in the swing of it. And eventually, you know, the owner says, okay, you're ready to get up there. And wouldn't the timing wouldn't have been worse when that my husband says, Laura, I want to change careers and move us out to Arizona. I think this is going to be a great move for our future. Oh my gosh. And so here you are at, you know, it sounds like you're about 50. You're finally feeling back to yourself. You found your thing and you're feeling super fit at 50, which I think is rare and amazing. And all of a sudden upheaval. And it sounds like simultaneously your daughter was actually going to college too. So, oh my gosh, two big things. So how did you take this? Well, I was not happy and I did voice my needs. You know, I said, no, I don't want to move. I love my house. I love my friends and I love what I'm doing now. And I feel so great. I don't want it to end. And I said, and I love being close because we were an hour away from our daughter who, who was up in college. And I just, I was so, I, I finally got content, you know, in my life. But, you know, when push comes to shove, the reality was he was the breadwinner. You know, I wasn't making enough with my um, fitness to pay for the mortgage or, you know, anything. So I agreed because like I've done, like I did all the, you know, all those other years, right? Because it wasn't about me, you know, it's about what other, you know, so it was a continual of that same theme. And Mm -hmm. because this particular moment in my life, like I could recover from the others in this particular moment, because I felt like, oh yes, I haven't lost any time. I can keep going. I realized that if I lose this job, there's a, really good chance that I'm not starting it in Arizona, 
You know, like it's not going to happen after I move. I'm going to get, you know, I'm not going to get the ideal job that this is. And I didn't even have to get that far because as soon as we moved here and started remodeling the kitchen and digging up the backyard, you know, to, to make it our final landing place, I developed some really crazy symptoms. Anxiety shot up like I've never experienced before. Everything was too much. And um, my family would look at me like, what's up with you? And I, I felt so strange and different and tired and fatigued. So I go to a doctor and I still, I still look like the epitome of fitness, right? And I go to this doctor and he says, Laura, you don't even need thyroid. Let's take you off of it. I go, I don't, I don't think that's a good plan. He takes me off of it. He goes, let's try it. Within a week, I gained 10 pounds in five days, not even eating anything because I'm in bed. I cannot even get out of bed. Um, the brain fog was so bad. Um, and I thought, okay, something else is going on here. This isn't just thyroid. This is something else. But I thought, you know, I kept thinking, well, it's got to be something connected to thyroid. And I found a naturopathic doctor. So I thought they're experts in thyroid. And thank goodness, when I booked the appointment and arrived, I noticed on the door, he's also a Lyme literate doctor. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't even know anything about Lyme disease. But he sat with me for nearly three hours and listened to my story said, we're doing these tests. They came back. Sure enough, I had three different strains of Lyme disease, four other co-infections. And I first felt very vindicated, right? Like, oh, I'm not crazy, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> because for 10 years I had been going to the doctor saying, oh, I don't feel optimal, you know, even though I was still pushing myself, right? And the thing was, I kept ignoring all the signals my body was really trying to send me, right? Because I thought, well, I'm superwoman. You know, I can do three classes in a day, come back and do the 4.30. You know, like that's the person I was. And I couldn't believe that this was happening to me. So once I felt the validation, then the realization that like, oh, so I can't do what I love anymore. I, I can't go on those hikes. I can't even go to the gym. Like I couldn't even walk around my neighborhood for a year. So all my muscle atrophied away. I was, I guess you'd say angry, frustrated, lost faith in the universe, God, you know, anything that I, I thought, why, why me? I'm the healthiest person I know who's sick. How, how do I deserve this? I went through all daily pity parties, right? You know, just everything. And so it was not helping me that my mindset was really in a bad place. And, you know, I think my husband was like, well, is date night off forever, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and this isn't really looking good for me. And so I knew I needed to kind of pull it together. And when I reached out to a coach and got started and things started to like let loose for me, my perspective started to shift. And once I finished that coaching, I then signed up for a course called Radical Reinvention. And I proceeded to take like a whole year and a half of all these courses. And I took all the prerequisites to become a coach, not even realizing I was going to be a coach, right? Like I thought, 
This is just for my own self. And I saw how it was just, it kept peeling back those layers of what was blocking me. And after I got a certification, I did end up having mono for a year after that, which was unfortunate timing. So my coaching was delayed. And when I got back and um, to deciding I was going to be a coach because I was inspired by what happened to me. Like I thought, if this could help me who has a chronic illness and now I even cope better with my chronic illness and I see a future, you know, I can help other, you know, this can work for anyone. And, but then I found reinvention coaching, which is the cornerstone of my practice right now. And that just changed it a whole new level. And through that, what I deeply understood was the mindset that I had the first half of my life is not going to help me in my second half of life, right? That I needed a reboot in the mindset and I'll say heart set as well. So I don't know, do you want me to talk about reinvention coaching? Yeah, let's just because I want to jump in and and say a couple things. And the first thing is, I think, you know, really important to just note how much your, you know, deteriorating health impacted your like mental state and your well being and your every single thing. And I think that we don't appreciate enough how much we have to treasure our health. And if we can move our body, move our body every single day because we never know, we know what's in store for us. And I think, you know, such a gift to be able to move our bodies. But I think also when you started to talk about this was going on with your body, it was a reality, you were working on it, but you were stuck with this. Mm -hmm. And so the only thing that you could change at that point was your mindset. And so I love that you were like, I reached out to a life coach and I was able to switch up my mindset and how impactful that was. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are led to becoming coaches because the power of what coaching does for them. Mm -hmm. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about why or how reinvention coaching is a little bit different than life coaching in general. Okay. First of all, so reinvention coaching is about returning you back to the essence of who you truly are, right? So I like to say it's like a naturopathic doctor. They get to the root cause. And that's what we do in reinvention coaching. It's not just, it isn't just a simple mindset trick. It does help your mindset, but we go like down in the deep layers. And I say we peel back the layers of an onion, right? And, you know, and you keep getting to the core of who you really are. And that's the person that you were born to be. But as you were growing up, you got all these different messages from parents, from at school, friends, you know, life in general, situations you may have walked into, and you interpreted them in your child's mind, right? Which is not very a discerning mind at that point. So you, you know, like I would say for me, when I was talking about that shadow belief, and this is how I call in uh, reinvention coaching, we work through shadow beliefs, underlying commitments and triggers. And those are the three tenets of reinvention coaching, but we have eight dimensions of the whole program of reinvention coaching. And when I discovered that, you know, where I got 
It's not about what I want. It's about what other people want. It's connected deeply to this childhood story that was personal to me. And everybody's a different child. Like you could live in the same family and not really have the same experience or, you know, because of the type of child you are. And I was a super sensitive empath child. Like I soaked up all the energy in the room at seven years old. I could, I could see when someone was hurt, I would try and solve things. I tried to build bridges is what I always was doing, even as a young child. And I was always told, you know, oh, you're, if I said to my mother, oh, you hurt her feelings. She said, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. And so I started to not trust myself, you know, like, wait, I know what I saw. And being a very observant child, I knew what I saw. But when someone was telling me I didn't know what I was talking about, it got confusing, right? So, you know, you kind of, how these shadow beliefs work is you make something, you know, mean something about you. So a dramatic situation happens in your life. And I kind of skip back to that. What it's not about what I want. It's about what other people want. I remember at seven years old, seven, eight, somewhere in between there, I watched the show called Bubblegum Digest. It was a Chicago show and it was kids doing the news tongue in cheek. Now, even though I was a very shy child, when I was at home and with my sisters, I was the one creating, writing the plays, writing skits, doing radio shows. I was the star of the show. You know, everything was about creating, you know, a production. And when I watched that show, I'm like, I want to do that. And one day they ran across the screen that they had auditions. I wrote it down, you know, the date and everything. And I rushed to my mom and I said, mom, mom, you don't have to do anything. You just have to drive me there. But I'm going to go on an audition for Bubblegum Digest. You know, I'm so full of excitement that I never asked for anything in a family of 13 because there was enough chaos going on <laughs> without me adding to it. So as a little girl, I just never asked for anything. And I just, you know, was the good girl and got good grades and did everything else and didn't create like havoc for my, you know, parents. So I asked. And my mother just says, no, we're not going to do that. Now, any other child, it may not have been a big deal, but this was huge for me. It was like the moment I believed in myself and I knew I could do that. And we never talked about it again. I ended up raising my voice saying, can't the neighbor drive me? And she sends me up to my room for raising my voice. That is the story that created it's not about what I want. It's about what other people want and need. Wow. Wow. And there's so many things about this that really stand out to me. One, I love that you say in reinventing coaching that you get back to the essence of who you really are. Because I think even if we don't have a, a just a clear moment when something like this happened, mm -hmm. I think as women, as we get older and over time, we lose so much of that essence. We don't even know really how to find it. And I've heard before, you know, looking at what were the things that brought you joy or lit you up when you were a kid. Mm -hmm. And so that example that you told, like that was the thing. And it was your, your light was dimmed in that moment. But being able to get back to that essence, I love that so much. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's not a midlife woman listening that doesn't understand the power of losing themselves 
over time, you know, whether it's to their careers, whether it's to their spouse, their their children, all of the responsibilities, we so often lose that zest. So I yeah, I love those words that you used. Yes. And that and and I think that like for in my coaching, I you know, I say I help women repurpose their power in midlife. And, you know, I help them kind of reimagine what their life can be and feel and expand when they're connected to their creative core. And that's kind of a term I use because that's kind of my path. You know, what happened with me, I got back to what makes me feel alive and on fire. And, and that made all the difference. It was like, I did all the work to remove all the obstacles that were kind of keeping me from even, you know, looking out to the future and seeing that there was a future. And then just even, you know, this year, I stepped into just another level, I'd say, of my transformation. And I got back to creating something from nothing, which is what I love doing. Like that's in my years of choreography, that's, you know, you create you create a dance out of nothing, you know, just in your head. And so I created a workshop for specifically for women. It, I launched it in um, Puerto Vallarta this year. It was about a month and a half ago and at a business uh, mastermind retreat. I was so thrilled about what happened, how it was received and the tears and the breakthroughs and all of the unexpected moments that did happen it just proved to me that I have to do this. So it's now part of what I offer in Scottsdale and in Sedona as a retreat add-on. And I will tell you, it's called Affirmotion. And it is a workshop that helps women connect, imprint, deepen, and manifest their highest positive vibration. And I do this by leveraging you know, my experience as a choreographer and a coach and a fitness trainer, and I create this whole experience to, it's kind of like fast track your affirmation because I use the mind, body, spirit concept of, you know, quieting the noise so that your unconscious mind can hear the new empowering affirmation. But I do it in a creative way so it becomes a memorable experience for the women who attend. Wow. And I love that you channeled those things that were from your childhood in creating and presenting and, you know, choreography to light a fire for yourself that then became contagious and you could spread to other people and other women. That's just Mm -hmm. so amazing. And I think something that kind of happens in midlife is we lose that fire. We forget what made us feel excited, what made us, you know, jump out of bed in the morning. And I love that you can help women get back to that. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you talked to me about was that how so often women are you know they're they're reading books and they're listening to podcasts and they're trying to do all these kind of you know self help things on their own which is amazing because being yeah. a lifelong learner is amazing yes but you say that true change comes in action and accountability can you mm-hmm. talk about that yes so you know just like you described i did all those things too i was always taking in information but the problem was I wasn't really implementing it either. 
you know, like I might do it for a week, but mm, you know, who is going to hold me accountable? Right. So that's where I think, you know, having a coach, not only, I mean, that's a powerful part of having a coach, but you know, I would even say that having a coach will bring to your attention more things than you even thought you needed to know or needed to unravel or needed to, you know, um, take a look at in your life. And that's what happened to me. It's like, I just, I, I was at the point where I just surrendered and said, okay, I have to say, I can't do it. I don't know. I don't know the next step. And that was hard. And I know because a lot of the women that come to see me are, you know, high achieving women. They've been, you know, whether they've been stay at home or whether they've been juggling it all. And, you know, they're they're productive women, but they've just lost connection with their creative core. And so to get people on the fast track to living your better life, you know, and I like to say to connect with that you know, to live your soul aligned life. And I think that's kind of the desire for most women when they come to me, they'll say, you know, I'm just not as happy as I was, you know, like they can't even pinpoint it sometimes. And through the steps of reinvention, accountability, and I, you know, each week they have to take action. And so you get practice in using all the tools that I give you. And then I send you away with all the tools so you can keep your transformation ongoing. I found that it was the most thorough type of coaching because it got, like I said, got to the, the core, the root cause of what was ailing me. It wasn't just change your mindset. Just think of different thoughts, be positive. It, no, we had to go, we had to reveal the pain, trauma or whatever to reveal it, to heal it. And then and when it heals on that level, it heals in your heart and then it marries to your head. And that's how you, you know, everything shifts for you in your life. And it's an ongoing process, right? I mean, I still am uncovering more um, shadow beliefs. And right now I'm in, um, in process of getting another certification so I can help people next step. It's called worthy coaching. So it's all about your self-worth equals your net worth, which is a very interesting concept. And it was one I was kind of like, oh, I don't want to go there. But I did. And I'm so glad because it's, it's unraveling some different aspects in my life now, too. So, yeah, accountability is key because why would, you know, if you don't do it and you can get away with not doing it, everyone will. Right? Yeah. And I think that's something that's really important that you said there is that, you know, a lot of women who have been educated, successful women are in midlife going, God, I just don't feel like myself. I just don't feel the same amount of joy. I can't, like you said the words, I can't quite pinpoint it. I think that that's probably a lot of what happens. But then also this just overwhelming guilt of, but I'm so blessed. And so I have nothing to yeah. complain about. And so I think so often women just like stay stuck in that place of like, Eh, I don't feel great, but who am I to complain? And mm -hmm. like you said, that kind of toxic positivity that is very pervasive, I think especially right now more than I've ever seen in our culture of mm -hmm. like, just be positive and like, right. <laughs> you know, and that that is not enough. And that doing that peeling back of those layers and doing the work to uncover again your essence, but also like you said, those 
those limiting beliefs, those shadow beliefs, Mm -hmm. and, you know, being able to overcome those things is what really comes to the real work and the real success. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, thanks for seeing those things because I'm sure there are a lot of women listening that are like, aha, yep, you're talking about (laughs) me. You're talking about me. And they've just felt too guilty to speak up about it. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, that's like, that was like me when I was, you know, living overseas and traveling and hobbling. Right. I felt like, who am I to complain? Like I am, I'm, you know, this is great. Right. And then, but you're living your best life. Yeah. But really, (laughs) no, (laughs) exactly. Like I minimized my pain. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, you hear women even say like, oh, X, Y, Z is bothering me, but I'm so lucky, but I'm, I'm so, so blessed. blessed. And yeah. yeah, the hashtag blessed, I like literally hate it. It's like my most hated thing because I think it takes away permission to say what's really wrong and how you're really feeling. And it's interesting because I read a headline this morning that a popular, I think she's from like HGTV or something like that, influencer was like, I think it's terrible that moms are like, you know, lamenting mom life, you know, complaining about mom life and that they should just be appreciative that they have kids. And Hmm. I was like, oh gosh, I mean, every mom that's complaining about mom life is appreciative of their kids. Like that's a given. Right. But if we don't give women a platform to be able to say what's wrong, I think it does impact you physically as well as mentally to hold in the the shame of not being 100% happy and that we don't need to be telling women not to say that they're not feeling super happy or that they're complaining about something because I think we've spent generations of women, like you said, learning how to just squash how we really feel Mm -hmm. to please somebody else. And so that that is like the opposite of what we need to be saying right now publicly to women. Right. Like, can you imagine if the, if, you know, that whole concept got flipped and it was about even when you're starting your family that you put yourself first, you know, like, you know, that's like never been the first thought, right. But like, how could, you know, we eventually change that. And it doesn't mean put everybody last. It just means consider your needs as much as you consider someone else's need. Oh my gosh, Laura, I recorded my first episode and it was called Mom Guilt. Mm. And it was about this. And I talk about in that episode how if we stop thinking about it as like, oh, I feel guilty because I'm, you know, away from the kids getting my hair done or I'm going on a girls weekend or I'm going on a date, which is what we do, right? Like Mm -hmm. we start feeling guilty the second, like we have a baby in the womb, we start feeling guilty. But instead we say, what? model am I setting for my children? Because I don't want my children to grow up and be murderers, right? Like Mm -hmm. I don't want them hobbling in Europe. I want them (laughs) advocating for themselves. I want them truly caring for themselves in not a superficial way, but like in a genuine way. And so if we can flip that mindset to say, who are we modeling our lives for? Mm -hmm. And if we are saying to you know, our daughters, especially, I think of you having a daughter, Mm -hmm. you can be anything. You can live your best life. You should take care of yourself. And then you're not taking care of yourself. They are way more likely to pay attention to your behavior Mm -hmm. than your words. 
Yeah. And that mind shift allows us to not feel so guilty about caring for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, when you do take care of yourself and you have, you know, a self-care routine, however, you know, big or small it might be, you're more apt to be able to give more to others because you're giving from a generous place instead of a exhausted, resentful place, right? Like, oh, I don't have time for this, but you know, you don't say that, but you, you know, then you go ahead and do what they, you know, someone wanted you to do. So, but if you have, you've had enough rest, you have had enough care, you can be giving from a more generous place. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, Laura, can you tell everyone, because I'm sure there are a lot of women listening that are Mm -hmm. like, you've said all the things about me. Like I hear myself in this. What makes a good client for you? Like what's a good fit for you? Well, I would say someone who is ready. Okay. And being ready means open to learning something new, open to going deep, open to putting in the work because I can't make someone's transformation happen, right? They have to do it. I'm the guide. And so I can provide you the guidance and the support and the tools and, you know, bring to your attention, you know, I feed back to clients what they're saying, and sometimes they don't hear themselves, right? And so it's really an important aspect to do as a coach. And so they have to be ready They could be, you know, I think a lot of um, women that, you know, we were talking about lost their spark, feel like, you know, they're feeling flat in life, you know, and they can't pinpoint it. That's kind of someone who I get a lot (laughs) Um, after divorce, you know, what's my life going to be? What's my new chapter? And they have to be, you know, open to saying, you know, I'm willing to look at it a different way. You know, I'm real, I'm ready to let go of all of, you know, the old baggage that, you know, I'm still holding on to, or if they're holding on to resentment to their spouse or, you know, anything like that. So any women who's seeking to evolve and grow and, and they know that, you know, they just don't know how to take that first step. And that is what reinvention leads them through. So, you know, it's it's all the elements that they would need to kind of get themselves to see how they can pull themselves forward in life, right? So it's all about empowering the client. Yeah. Sounds powerful and amazing. And if people want to reach out to you, mm-hmm. where can they find you? Uh, well, on LinkedIn, I'm Laura Enzor, Reinvention Coach. And on both... Facebook and Instagram. I'm Laura Enzor Life Coach, just simple. And then I think I gave you a link um, about that I'd like to offer, um, you know, people that are listening to grab my my free uh, guide or worksheet um, called Your Reinvention Rhythm. And it just, it takes you through like, what what is it that might be really at the heart of what you're feeling, right? So it kind of gives you a kind of takes you through what it takes to reinvent yourself and leads you with, you know, a big step to take at the end. So I always like to introduce clients to start with that so they can get an idea of what we might be working on as well. And then I also would offer um, a free coaching call to anyone who wants to just connect, get a little experience of what it's like coaching with me and to be able to ask any questions and discuss what they're, you know, struggling with and what they'd, you know, where they'd like to be and 
where they are. So um, those are all the different ways. And at the end of February, I'm launching, I'm part of a compilation book. Um, so I've written a chapter in there. And so that's exciting stuff that's coming out. And so I would encourage someone to follow me and so to get all that information. Oh my gosh. Well, I will include all of that in the show notes. Okay. And I can't wait to do the worksheet myself because <laughs> I love all the things you had to say and what you've been putting out into the world. It's amazing. So thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your valuable time. Thank you, Brie. I really appreciate this. So I was excited to be here. Oh my gosh. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening. Like always, I am so humbled and grateful that you tune in. If you can so kindly subscribe to the podcast, give it a rating or review, that will help more women to find the podcast. And the more women that join in on this conversation, the fuller it will be. Thank you so much, friends. And I cannot wait to see your reinvention. Have a great day. Oh, oh, oh.